Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Revelation chapter 14. This is a chapter of great contrast. It talks about the lamb, it talks about the beast, it talks about earth, it talks about heaven, it talks about the harvest of the doomed, it talks about the harvest of the saved. It's a, it's a chapter of contrast. We are, we are really right in the middle in our study of the great tribulation. And uh, what, a, what a horrible, horrible thing that great tribulation is going to be. If we know Christ is our savior, we're going to be in heaven during this time. The rapture of the church takes place and we, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ is raptured out of this earth. And those that are left here, those that are left here that have not received Christ as their savior are gonna be here during this time of tribulation. It's when God's wrath is poured out upon this earth. And uh, we get to chapter number 14. And we don't, we don't necessarily read when we read of the seals that have been broken and the trumpets that have been sounded as we read through that and studied through that portion of the tribulation. We saw some, some, some events that were horrific events. Chapter 14 isn't necessarily a time where we're going to see uh, the, 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 judgment, the, the, the judgment that comes as we did with the seals and the trumpets. When I studied chapter 14, what impressed upon me the most is this, that eternity is forever. And that a person that does not trust Christ as their savior is going to spend eternity in hell. And so what is left for the church? Why, why do we as a church study chapter 12, 13, 14? Somebody might ask that as a church. If we're not going to be here, what is the value for us to understand? And really, it's not for us to decide if it's valuable to understand. I take you back to the beginning of this study where the Bible says this, blessed is the one that reads this and understands this, the entire book of Revelation. And so as a believer, there's a blessing that comes from God for us to understand this. Sometimes for us, we think this, if it doesn't involve me, it's not important, so I don't need to know. But there's something that we're missing out if we approach Revelation with that same thought process. The church, the church today, our lives, we, we're so busy. The church today is consumed with much of what this world is consumed with. The church has troubles in marriages, in in families, in finances, in, in uh, addictions, just like the world has. The, word, the church is, and we're warned of this as the day of the Lord approaches, the church begins to fall asleep. There's a great falling away. The reality is this, there's great apathy in the church today. We're very consumed with our lives, what matters to us. And I believe as we study the book of Revelation and we come to chapter number 14 and chapters like this, right in the middle of this tribulation, although we're not going to be here, it ought to be a, a, a call for revival to the church. It ought to be a call for soul winning to the church. It ought to be a call to get the church back into balance and back into what our perspective and our thought process ought to be consumed with and that is this, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin reading in verse number one of chapter 14. And I look and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. That lamb is Jesus Christ. And with him, 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man, no man could learn that song but the 144,000 
which were redeemed from the earth. Those 144,000 is the 144,000 we learned from Revelation chapter number seven. There's going to be those from every tribe, the 12 tribes, 12,000 from 12 tribes of Israel. They're going to be saved during the time of tribulation. Those 144,000 are going to, during the time of tribulation, be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we find in Revelation chapter 7 that multitudes, more than we can count, more than John could count, are going to be saved during the tribulation. So the question is this, are people going to be saved during the tribulation? The Bible in Revelation is very clear. The answer is yes. There, there's much now with this 144,000. I'm not going to get into all of this today and, and, and really just scratch the surface of it, but there are some that will take this 144,000 and cause it to be what it's not. There's not just 144,000 that's going to be in heaven. There's not just 144,000 that's going to be in the, the, the heavens closer to God and others in different parts of heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. It's very clear. It's just understood as we read through the book of Revelation, chapter 7, chapter 14, these 144,000 are Jews. They're, they are from the tribes of Israel that get saved. There's going to be, I believe there's going to be billions and billions, our prayer is in heaven, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, I hope. I know as John looks into heaven, there's going to be others and, 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 and the elders, and we, we, we've studied this, the elders would represent uh, all of us. There's going to be uh, the Gentiles, it's going to be the Old Testament, it's going to be those in the New Testament. And so there's going to be more than these 144,000, but there's something special about these 144,000 that we'll look at here in just a few moments. These are they which were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb with whosoever they goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. Would you mark down there and look at that? And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. Forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of his name here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. In verse number 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from the henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. What great contrast we see here in these especially these last few verses of those that, those that know Christ and those that reject Christ, those that are called saints and those that are following the beast. I know that many in this room, if not all, would, would understand this. God made us with a living soul. Our souls are going to spend eternity in someplace, either in heaven or in great fire and brimstone and torment. And from this point forward, every single person here is going to spend somewhere forever. Please understand this. 
before you were born? That wasn't the case. But the minute you were conceived, your soul is going to spend eternity somewhere forever. James says this, life is but a vapor. This past week, I was feeling some chest pains and I, my doctor told me to go to the ER. They thought initially that I had a heart attack and that's kind of what they told my wife and my son. And, and um, I knew that wasn't the case. Superman, you know, there's no way that could be the case. But my wife and son were worried and they whisked me off and did some tests and started using those, that kind of language. And after a few moments of them speaking like that, I, I realized to myself, I, they asked me this question, is there any uh, uh, heart issues in your family? And, and when I said to them, I said, yes, there is. My dad died of a heart attack at 55. And, and then I realized 55 is getting closer and closer for me. And I realized this, life is but a vapor. Life's a vapor. It, 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 it's so quick. So quick. Every single person in this room is going to die. And some, some are going to die. It could be a car accident. It could be a heart attack. It could be a health issue. It could be natural causes. Every single person is going to die, and some are going to die of different causes, but we're only going to die. There's going to only be two ways that we die. And I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14, the Bible says this, verse number 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. The reality is this, every single person is going to die one of two ways. You are either going to die in the Lord or out of the Lord. The question that I would have for us today as we study chapter 14, the question I would have you ask yourselves is how are you going to die? In the Lord or out of the Lord? You see, death, death in this body is just, is just a, 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 an avenue to get us to eternity. And we are either going to die in the Lord, and those that die in the Lord, the Bible says they are blessed. But those that die out of the Lord, the Bible tells us, smoke and their torment, verse number 11, ascendeth up forever and ever. And there shall be no rest for those that die out of the Lord. So the question is, how are we going to die? The question that as we read this, this chapter, and if we answer that question, well, I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior, that I'm going to die in the Lord, then it ought to do something in our heart and do something in our mind to understand that there are going to be some that die out of the Lord, and they are going to spend eternity in a place called hell. The reality is this, what happens on this earth, what mankind experiences on this earth during the tribulation doesn't compare to what mankind is going to experience in hell for all of eternity. Because in hell for all of eternity is separation from God. It's fire and brimstone. It is no rest. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1 through 5. I want us to look at this chapter, and we won't get through this entire chapter today, but I want us to look at this chapter. The first part of this chapter, I want us to see this 144,000, and I want us to see the character of these 144,000. These 144,000 are those that are going to get saved during the tribulation, and they're going to begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of them and their obedience in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, multitudes, more than can count, are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, receive Jesus Christ, and not take the mark. Those during this time of tribulation that do not take the mark that we studied last week, they're going to die. They're going to, many are going to be per, uh, uh, persecuted. Some are going to be beheaded. There's going to be great death. And because those that do not take the mark, the beast, the Antichrist, will, will, will begin 
uh, persecuting and killing those that do not take the mark. But this 144,000, they are going to preach, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they stood, they stood with the lamb. So we're going to see these 144,000 at these tribes of Israel the same that we studied in Revelation 7, uh, chapter 7. In Revelation 7, 15, the Bible said of these 144,000 that these are the ones that were set aside to serve. There is a purpose for these 144,000. They are going to serve the Lamb during the time of tribulation. And how they were going to serve the Lamb during the time of tribulation is by representing the gospel, representing the Lord Jesus Christ to a world that's gone crazy, to a world that is in great despair, to a world that is seeing the destruction uh, happen before their eyes, to the world that's going to see God's judgment poured out upon them, there's going to be 144,000 that are across this world that are preaching the gospel, preaching the truth of Jesus Christ, preaching salvation. So the first thing I want you to see, I want us to look at these 144,000 today, and then I want us to look at this 144,000 and, and apply this to our lives. These, this would be the same character that we see in these 144,000, I believe should be the same character that we would see today. Even though we are not a part of that 144,000, we're not going to be here during this time. We are going to be in heaven during this time, uh, uh, not in this tribulation period, but in heaven, in the safety of heaven. But there are some things that I want us to see about these 144,000 because the same character they have is the same character I believe that we ought to have today because the reality is this, even though it's a separate time period, our responsibility is also the same, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so the world hears the truth. That is our responsibility, church. And the first thing I want you to see is this, in verse number one, and I looked and, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 140 and 4,000, having his father's name written in their forehead. The first thing I see about this 144,000 is this. They are saved and they are protected by God. They are saved and they are protected by God or they're sealed by God. There's a seal upon them, a mark upon their forehead. His name is written in their foreheads. And, and, and this group of people have trusted Christ as their Savior, and they've trusted Christ, and therefore they're protected by God. One of the most wonderful things that we can experience in knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior is that is this, that heaven is sure. Whatever we face here upon this earth, and I want to remind you that this 144,000, they are going through a difficult time upon this earth. They are going through the, the great tribulation, but as they are going through this great tribulation, they're seeing judgment poured out upon this earth. They're seeing the Antichrist persecute those believers. They're, 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 they're seeing, they're seeing this, this uh, evil uh, come upon this earth. They're, seeing the, they're witnessing this, this, uh, uh, this beast that is, that is, that is, that is uh, led by this dragon who we know as Satan, putting his emphasis and putting his mark upon this world. He's seeing, they're seeing that mankind are, are bowing to this beast, this image that is given. They're watching them take the mark upon their head and upon their hand. They're witnessing these things, but they understand in the midst of all this trouble, in the midst of all this, these trials, they are protected by God. And oh, my friend today, what a wonderful thing it is for us as believers to be saved. It's another thing though as well on top of that to know that we have God's mark upon us that nothing, nothing can take us out of the hand of God. Satan can persecute, Satan can trouble you, but Satan cannot have your soul. Thank God for that. No matter what trial or what trouble you are dealing with in your life, you are sealed by God. You're sealed. Verse number two and three, we find something else about these 144,000 that I believe that we ought to look at for ourselves today. And that is this, let's read along. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders. 
And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These 144,000, they sing together in their praise. They sing together in their praise. There's something about this new song. Now, that, that word new, that word new means, could mean two different things. That word new means new in time. Maybe today, I, I don't believe that was the case, but, but there's, somebody could write a new song and we could put that new, those words upon the screen and we could sing that new song because it's new and we could say that is a new song. And that would be a new song because it's new in time. The other, the other word for new is new in character. You say, what's the difference? A song that is written for the first time and sung would be new. But a song because of the experience that you went through is new to you. It's new because of what God brought you through. This past week, I laying in the hospital bed. I didn't even realize it, but I was singing to myself that song, even in the valley, God is good. Even in the valley, he's faithful and true. He carries his children through like he said he would. Even in the valley, God is good. I was singing that song and the nurse came in. And I'd sing that song and another person would come in and I'd catch myself. And finally I realized I'm singing a new song. I thought about my message here today as I was going to preach. And, and the reality is that's not a new song because it's new to time. It's a new song because it's new to character. You know why it's new in character to me? Because I realized that even in the valley, God is good. You see, sometimes God allows you to go through troubles. And one of the most wonderful things about when you go through troubles, there is a song that you can sing that shows you how good God is. My wife said to me when I got home, she says, you are looking like a hippie. You need to get a haircut. So I went in yesterday and I was sitting in the chair getting my hair cut. I'm looking in the mirror. The lady's talking to me and I'm not listening to anything she's saying. And I caught myself, I'm humming. Even in the valley, God is good. Even in the valley, he's faithful and true. Carries his children through like he said he would. Even in the valley, God is good. You know what I realized? I've got a new song. Your new song brings glory to God. Every trial you deal with, every difficulty you have, you know, every single person in this room, you're dealing with something different. Some of you, some of you have lost loved ones to death and God can give you a new song. Some of you are going through health issues and some of you are going through heartache. Right now, there's difficulties that you're facing. And the most wonderful thing about those things is you can experience a new song that reminds you how good God is. These 144,000, they're going to go through a time of difficulty. They're going to resist a powerful man. They're going to resist a powerful system. They were going to resist Satan himself. Satan is going to put an image that all men is going to worship. They are going to sit through a time and live through a time where people are going to die. They're going to care for people. The, the gospel message that this 144,000 are giving are going to cause people to face certain death. But they've got a new song. They've kept their eyes upon the Lamb. When you are in the presence of the Lamb, you know what I believe? You will sing. 
And oh, listen to me today. You don't have to wait till heaven to be in the presence of your Savior. Yes, physically to see him face to face. I know, understand that. But the Lord Jesus Christ is with you today. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you where you are. Christ is where Christ is. You are. He's walking with you in the valley. The Bible, the psalmist says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, if you know Christ as your Savior, I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how trying it is. The Lord Jesus Christ is there. Sing a new song. You know what I learned? That when God gives you a trial, it gives you a reason to rejoice. When God gives you a trial, it gives you a reason to bless his name. These 144,000 in the midst of the most difficult time this world is ever going to face, they sang a new song. Oh, you know what? I don't want you to go through a trial. I don't want a person here to go through difficult times. But if it takes a trial and it takes a difficult time for us to see Jesus, for us to worship him, for us to experience a new song, then bring the trial on, bring the difficulty on. But let's not lose focus. It's all about the lamb. That's what I learned in chapter 14. Not only are they saved and protected by God, not only do they sing a new song together in unison. Number three, I want you to see in verse number four there, they which were not defiled with women, for they were virgins. These are they which follow the lamb with Wheresoever he goeth, these are the redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and the Lamb. Now, there's different opinions about this verse. Some believe that this is literal, where these are literally 144,000 that um, have never been married, never been with another human being. I believe this is symbolic. This is the defilement that he's speaking of here, not, not the virgin that he's speaking of here is they have not given themselves over to Satan. They've kept themselves pure. They've not defiled themselves. They've not chased. What, what was wrong back in, if you study the Old Testament, uh, uh, Christ says to Israel, you've played the role of the harlot. You've chased after other gods. I wasn't enough. What's the commandment that he said, the first commandment, thou shalt not have any other gods before thee. God wants all of you. God wants all of you. He doesn't want to share you. Well, what, what happened in this, these, these men, I believe this, that the Bible is telling us this, they stayed right with God. They weren't going back and forth, a foot worshiping the beast and a foot worshiping the Lord. They trusted Christ as their Savior. They stayed pure. They stayed holy. They stayed right. They stayed undefiled. They didn't fornicate themselves to, to this beast, to this image. They didn't follow after the Antichrist. They knew who Christ was, and they were determined that spiritually they were going to stay pure before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 11.2 is some, uh, 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 go there, let's read this. Just, just I want you to see what Paul says. Apply it to our lives here today. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 2. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 2. The Bible says, for I am, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Who, who, is, who is he speaking? What's he speaking of? He's not speaking of don't get married so that physically when you become, when you see Christ, you're a virgin. What's he speaking of spiritually? Spiritually, you've stayed right with God. Spiritually, you've not fornicated yourself to this world, to Satan. You stayed pure. 
So these men, they were saved. They were protected by God. They together in unison sang a new song because of the experience that they went through. And they are pure, spiritually undefiled. This is symbolic of being spiritually pure. Oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that when we stood before God, we were presented to the Lamb, spiritually pure? I, like many of you today, all of you, I would hope, want to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. Number four, I see in this passage of Scripture, in verse number four, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They were they which followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God in the Lamb. These were focused on their purpose. Their, their purpose was to share the gospel. Their purpose was to serve the Lord, and they stayed focused on their purpose. Number five, in the same verse, they have a testimony for the Lord. Jesus Christ, they gave their first fruits unto God and the Lamb. In Revelation 7, 9, the, the results of these 144,000 preaching to the whole world during the time of tribulation is, is more than could number being saved here upon this earth. They were focused. They gave the Lord of their first fruits. Their testimony was for the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, as this world gets worse, as we see the day of the Lord approaching, and oh, my friend, if you can't see it, you're blind. You're not looking. Keep your eyes on Israel. Every day, things continue to get worse and worse with that situation. I was reading even this morning what's happening now in that Red Sea area. They're saying it's going to cause global trade issues. We're seeing this escalation deeper and deeper. We're, we're witnessing revelation. We're witnessing end times right before our eyes. And we need to stay focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Your testimony at work needs to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Your testimony to your neighbors need to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to stop fighting. We've got to stop being involved. We've got to stop being concerned with things of this world. And we've got to keep our focus on one thing. And that is this. You are either going to die in the Lord or die out of the Lord. And eternity is forever. And blessed are those that die in the Lord because there's rest, but fire and torment and no rest for those that have taken the mark. Say focus upon the, 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 the main thing. I see as well in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says this, these men, they were undefiled. They were not defiled with women. They were following after the lamb. Wherever he went, they followed. They were redeemed among men, being the first fruits and the God and the lamb. These men followed the lamb. They were sincere in their walk. You know what? In these men, there was no hypocrisy. They lived the truth. They spoke the truth. You know what we need more than ever? Honest Christians. Honest Christians. Men, listen to me. Husbands, listen to me. You know what we need today more than ever? Honest husbands. Honest. Honest before your wives. Honest before your families. Honest before your God. The wives we need today? Honest wives. Honest before your husband, honest before your family, honest before your God. We need Christians that live without hypocrisy. I, I said to my wife just recently, I'm convinced more than ever, 
Christians are the reason why others don't want to be Christians. They see the, 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 the way we behave. They see what, they hear what we talk about. They see how we complain. They see how we live in fear. They see what bothers us. They see that we can't get along. They see the, the, the same problems the world has. They see it in Christians. Why do they need Jesus? Why would they want that? To them, it's just more baggage on what problems they already have. Oh, listen to me, tomorrow when you go to work, every single one of your coworkers ought to see an honest man. Every single one of your coworkers ought to see an honest woman. Every single one of your coworkers, every boss ought to see an honest employee. They ought to know that that person names the name of Christ and has the Christian as their, as their, as their label on their life. There's something different about them. Listen to me, every single person that's married to a Christian ought to know that I am blessed because my spouse claims Christ as their Savior. That ought to mean something. Oh, listen to me today. Christianity is not just following a list of rules. It's not just checking off, I don't do this, I don't wear that, I don't believe this. Christianity is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just religion. These 144,000 weren't playing church. These 144,000 weren't just living religion. These 144,000 were sincere in their walk, and wherever the lamb went, they followed. So we see these 144,000. Secondly, I want you to see this in verse number six. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and every kindred and every tongue and every people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains and the waters. I, I want us to see here this angel, this angel flies preaching the everlasting gospel. I, I see in this passage of uh, Scripture the grace of God. I want you to understand that God has done all that he could. He is using you and he is using me. He is using these 144,000. He cares about the souls of mankind. And even one last attempt, what does he do? He allows an angel to fly through the heavens, preaching and proclaiming the truth of the gospel, begging mankind to repent. One last final call to the world. One last final plea. Get right with your maker. Get right with God. Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is true. His gospel is the only way. And as this angel's flying in the midst of heaven, he's preaching and teaching and, and proclaiming the gospel, the everlasting gospel. Fear God, give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the earth. And I want you to see, secondly, there's another angel. In verse number eight, there's another angel that begins to fly and begins to say, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This is the first time that Babylon is mentioned in the book of Revelation. What, what, is, what is Babylon? Babylon is the cradle of the grave and all idolatry of, in worship. It's, it's the cradle of, in, in cradle and grave, the beginning and the end of all idolatry and worship. I want to remind you back in Genesis chapter number 10, there was a man named Nimrod. His name means rebel, a rebellion. Nimrod said of himself, he was a great man. Nimrod said of himself, I'm going to build a great city. He builds a great city called Babel. 
And in this great city, they begin to bring, build this tower of Babel. For what reason? Because we want to reach the heavens. We want to, we want to have a one-world government. We want to have a one-world religion. We want to reach the heavens, and we want to reach God. And that has been the, the testimony of Babel since the beginning here, is mankind, instead of submitting themselves to God, instead of realizing that they are, they are mere men and they need God, they want to be like a God. And what does God do? God says, no longer can we strive with men. He says, we're going we're gonna to cast them across the, the earth. We're going to confound their tongue. Why? Because man in his heart wants to be God. This world Babylon, many Christians in the first century, they called Rome Babylon. Babylon represents the corrupt desire to turn from God and be like a God. It's the same lie that Satan, that old serpent, told Eve in the garden, if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be open, you'll be like a God. And that interested her so much that she rebelled against God and ate of that tree so that she could be like a God. In man's attempt to be like a God, is going to keep man from knowing and experiencing the one true God. I see in verse number nine, and a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the lamb. I see here consequences of the mark of the beast. This speaks of those that worship the beast and take his mark. And when they take his mark, when these that are here during this tribulation take the mark of the beast upon their hand and on their forehead, they are forever damned. You know what's interesting? In today's world, A preacher that's known as a hellfire and brimstone preacher is not looked highly upon. Actually, it's one of those things like calling somebody a Bible thumper. It's not said in a positive way. Now, that pastor, he's a hellfire and brimstone, kind of like he's out of date. But the reality is this there is fire and brimstone. And we have churches today that won't even mention the word hell. We have Christians today. We have men that are standing in pulpits like this all over the country today that believe that caught, preaching on fire and brimstone and preaching on hell is not a positive message and it's just gonna turn man off. And so let's just preach something that everybody can hear and everybody wants to hear and let's just send people out of here happy. And all as we're sending people out of here happy, we're sending people out of here on their way to hell. Hell is real. This past week, I saw so many people, and I can't, I'll be honest with you, two in the morning when they're poking you for blood, I don't like them. My wife would call me in the morning, how'd you sleep? Are you serious? <laughs> what is that called? What does that even look like? I'm here for blood. I'm here to check your vitals. I said it was an hour ago, they're the same. I'll tell, how about this? I'll push the button if it changes. I'll pull the cord if I need you. Uh, we can't do that. Poor girl had to come in. She said, are you ready for your bath? I said, oh boy, I could use a shower. She said, uh, no, you have a heart monitor on. We bathe you. No, we don't do that. <laughs> we means me, you leave. I saw so many faces, so many people. 
And if somebody doesn't tell them about hell, who will? If somebody doesn't tell them about Jesus, who will? If there's not a place, I found out one of my doctors that came live right here on Albin Road. I told him what I did, and I pastored here. He says, you pastor? I, well, I drive by there every day. I said, well, stop. My neighbor right around the corner, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But who's going to tell them about Jesus? Well, I can't because I've got a problem in my life. And I don't want them to come to church and get offended, so let's just keep this a secret. How can you keep a secret that those that take this mark are going to be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of a holy angels in the presence of a lamb and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever? All those that take this mark will in the end receive destruction by God. Fire and brimstone. The eternity of this torment. Would you put this someplace in the front of your mind? There's only one place in all of eternity that there is no longer hope and it's called hell. While you're alive today, there's hope. If you know Christ is your Savior and you face death, there's hope. But if you die without Jesus Christ and spend eternity in hell, there is no hope. It's eternal. It's fire. It's brimstone. It's destruction. There's no rest. There's no rest day or night. Could you imagine how many of you, there's an all-nighter coming up here in our youth group. And my wife and I just laugh on that. I think Christian wanted my wife to help. And she said, I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I, there's no way. He has one called the hero helper, and that's one that's going to stay up all night. There, there's no heroes in our church. There's none. Nobody's going to do it. It's impossible. We need a rest. How many of you get cranky when you don't have rest? Yeah. How many, of you, how many of you say things you don't really mean? Well, at least that's your excuse when you don't have rest. Yeah. How many of you are miserably around when you don't have rest? Just like, let's be honest. How many of you are a monster when you don't get rest? Yeah. And that's just one night. Imagine the emotional anguish that comes when there's never rest ever again. How many of you have been so tired all you could dream about is getting your head on your pillow and finding rest? Have you ever been that tired? Have you ever been so strained and so stressed that if you could just close your eyes and get a moment of peace, you'd feel better? In hell, there's no peace. In hell, there's no rest. In hell, it's just fire and brimstone. There's no, if I could just take five minutes and let these screams stop. There's no, if I could just take five minutes and let this pain go away. If I could just, if I could just get one night's sleep, I can face tomorrow. There's no rest. The saints are going to be killed by the beast. but he's not going to be able to harm you in eternity. There, there's going to be rejoicing for those that die in the Lord. The Bible says again, and I'm done. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Look at the difference. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. There will be rest for those that die in the Lord, but there'll be no rest for those that die out of the Lord. 
there's going to be rewards for those that die in the Lord, but there's no reward for those that die out of the Lord. In church, please keep in your mind this. Chapter 14 tells us this, that there is a God to serve, there is a hell to shun, and there is eternity to live. In the contrast that we see in chapter number 14, you know what I see? Salvation is so great, and God is so good, and the Lamb is worth singing about no matter what trial you're going through. And the contrast I see is hell is so real. There is no place of rest. It's no place that we want to be. So today the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to die in the Lord? Or are you going to die out of the Lord? That's going to determine your eternity. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you die today, you're going to die out of the Lord. And hell is your eternity. And if you say, no, I know Christ is my Savior. I'm going to die in the Lord. That's wonderful. But you need to realize, church, there is a world out there that's going to die out of the Lord. And while you live your life and we live in our bubbles and we enjoy our blessings, mankind is walking out into eternity. Out of the Lord. I can't get that phrase out of my mind that Dr. Gibbs said when he was here. How much do you have to hate a person not to tell them about Jesus? How much do you have to hate a person not to give them hope? How much do you have to hate a person to keep quiet? You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.